Bullshit and Suck, a podcast about how to love your singleness. Imagine that. I'm your host, Esther Marie, and I wrote a book called Single Shouldn't Suck because it really shouldn't. Being single should not suck. It should be an epic adventure. And this podcast goes into all of the fun and awkward nuances that encapsulate and are the essence of the season of singleness. I hope you laugh your head off and maybe shed a few tears just because it's that hilarious and that relatable. Today on the podcast, we are joined by my very first guest, E.B. Hepworth, my soul sister, who together we used to run an organization called Fearless Co., helping people overcome their fears. And it is just so exciting to have her on the podcast today. She has an incredible story, which you get a front row ticket to in this conversation. We dive into the topic of how to navigate your dreams in singleness and in marriage and in all of the interchanging seasons of life. I know you're going to love it. Alrighty. Well, we're going to jump right in and just get in podcasty mode, you know? <laughs> oh, it's like a whole thing. <laughs> it is, but it isn't. But what I will say is that you're the very first person that I am interviewing on this podcast, which you already know, oh, but you are my, you, you know what? You deserve it. You deserve we it. We go back, you baby. We go back. We go back and we've got stories to tell, man. Dude, oh my gosh. As long as we don't bust out photos, I'm okay with it. <laughs> no, man, those, those photos, uh, they, they're half the story. We gotta, we gotta showcase. I am ashamed of who I was. I am. <laughs> yeah, you are. That's so street. But speaking of stories, I would love for you to share a little bit about your background, who you are, your journey. I know it's a loaded question, but I would love for people to get just the context of, yeah, why you're even on this podcast today, besides being one of my closest girls and just having yeah. an impact on my life so much and just the mother that you are, the wife that you are, the dreams that you're pursuing right now, you know, are a byproduct mm -hmm. of your journey. So I'd love for you to share that with everybody. Yeah. So my name is E.B. Hepworth. E.B. is short for Elizabeth. And I'm originally from Modesto, California. I played soccer my whole life competitively and ended up playing um, Division One in college, which brought me to Boise, Idaho. And um, a little bit about my background. I was raised uh, you know, in the church with a great Christian family, but I really stepped into my own faith. Um, in college, my sophomore year of college when I turned 19. And uh, that was kind of obviously shifted the way that I was living my life and the direction, the dreams that were in my heart. So long story short, I, um, gosh, it's so funny when people ask for a spark notes version of yourself. You're like, what parts do I care? But it's like weird because it's kind of like this weird like resume, you know, you, you're like trying to yeah. share about like the things you've done, but also you're like, but wait, like I'm literally just like <laughs> dust. So, but anyway, um, so I graduated college when I was 20, um, just tried my 21st birthday and my heart um, really came alive to fight for women that were uh, being sexually trafficked. And so long story short, when I was 21, I got on a plane, went to the Philippines, and basically was directly impacted and saw, um, the, you know, the sex trade eye to eye. 
And that is where I helped. I just dove right in. I was like, okay, I just got to jump in. This is something I feel I could give my whole life to. And so um, I helped start um, an organization called Wipe Every Tear that is in the Philippines. And it was briefly in Thailand for a short season. And essentially, I was um, one of the first U.S. employees. I just helped. I had no skill set, no understanding other than just kind of a willing heart. I'm like, I, I can learn. I can YouTube my way through Google and whatever. So um got on and off airplanes going to uh, Southeast Asia for five years. Um, and in that period um, was when I met my husband. Him and I were good friends. We met in the college ministry that we attended. And we both, um, you know, came from kind of a dramatic background. And we were just both on fire for the Lord. And um our love story is this whole thing in itself. Oh. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, which I have a whole podcast episode, so you can put that in the show notes and see where that is. Yes, I love <laughs> that episode. So cute. So, anyway, um, my husband and I were good friends for about two years, and about halfway into that was when I just fell head over heels in love with him. I had gotten out of a relationship for almost four years um, going, like, when I met him, and so there's a lot of healing my heart had it too. Also, just super young. So you're just kind of like, do I even trust my heart at this point? You know, but um, yeah. basically on a mission trip in China, uh, we were both on a mission trip with our church and I had loved him at this point for close to two years. And I didn't even know really if he knew my name. We were friends. We were in the same circles, but he was so like, he was that guy that was like, I'm so fixed on Jesus that he didn't have girl's number. He didn't have social media. So there was nothing for me to like manipulate to like see if there was anything there. If that makes sense. So. Yeah. Basically, on a train station in the middle of China, uh, it's a very, very dramatic rom-com type of experience. But he told me, hey, I would love to pursue this and just see if there's anything there. At the time, I was living in Colorado. So long story short, I'm like, literally, I didn't even know that you knew I was breathing. So this is great news. <laughs> um, so long story short, six months later, we start dating. Um and we dated for a year and a half and then got married. We have been married for seven and a half years. And a year into our marriage, we had an ectopic pregnancy, which is when the baby implants somewhere other than your uterus. Um, and so uh, basically, it's a long story, but we caught it really late. I almost died. I had to get emergency surgery. Um, they said if they caught it even a week later that I wouldn't be alive um, because it exploded my fallopian tubes and other internal bleeding. So long story short. I was, we were the type, we were both at that point working for Wipe Every Tear. We were both just very missional, very, you know, and we knew that we wanted to have a family, but we were totally the type that was like, let's be married for like five to 10 years and then do it when we're in our 30s. Let's start to be able to in our 30s just after we've kind of got that quote unquote exploration out of, you know, we're going all over the world at that point. So yeah. uh, when we got pregnant, it was kind of like, whoa, it just birthed this idea of family and God really started talking to us about family. And being in an industry of anti-human trafficking, we just, um, you know, we're exposed to how much a lot of, you know, traffickers essentially internationally will prey on, you know, orphanages and then, you know, even domestically or foster care. So I got to really start talking to us about um, just becoming a family through adoption. And at the point uh, when we lost that first pregnancy, we didn't know infertility would be a part of our story, but we just felt like God essentially was saying adoption is not my plan B. It's my plan A for you. So we just kind of stumbled into it. We had literally probably $3 in our bank account. Um, we literally sold our couch to make the application payment so then we could start the adoption process. And we were like, let's just do this. We felt God's hand on it. Long story short, we get matched with two children. They were not biologically related, so it's two separate adoptions. One international adoption is on average about forty to $45,000. So we're like, wait, how is this going to work? But God showed up like crazy. 
Um, we had to end up moving to Liberia because our son was, um, they, you know, classified as deathly ill. He had multiple diagnoses before even getting there. They told us, we don't even know if we're going to be able to adopt this baby. We don't know if he's going to live. So they gave us permission to fl- get on a one-way flight to Liberia. We didn't know if we were going to be there for, you know, five months or five years. And we were there for just shy of six months and um, essentially just fell in love with these two beautiful babies, which are our big two. Our oldest is Esther Birdie. And our um, youngest or younger of the big two is Asa Kingsman. So then fast forward six months after being home, we get not just natural testing done for both our babies to make sure they're healthy, make sure there's, you know, anything going on. And we find out that our son was diagnosed with a terminal disease called Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Um, and at that time, it's just, uh, you know, you know, we obviously did not know he was sick, but it was just kind of one of the probably the most shaking moment of my life within, you know, having a baby essentially um, get something like that. So that was uh, four and a half years ago and or five years ago. And um, throughout that process, we eventually found out we were uh, infertile. They told us that we would never have kids. We had, I had really bad PCOS, but also my other Philippine, I had one Philippine tube removed. And they found out my other Philippine tube um, was toxic. It had a bunch of endometriosis in it. Um, and then I carried a rare antibody that causes reoccurring miscarriage. So they said, even if you did get pregnant, you would miscarry it. And so uh, basically through a long, dramatic, dramatic series of um, half a decade, um, we ended up doing IVF. And they told us that our chances of getting pregnant were less than 3% chance. And I just celebrated my twin boys' first birthday. So that was, um, yeah, so it's crazy. Within uh, the last decade of my life, I've basically fallen in love with Jesus, fallen in love with a dream, um, fallen in love with a man, fallen in love with the idea of family, all things that you would have told me 11 years ago, I wouldn't have believed you. But now, <laughs> you know, so uh, my life really is a testimony to God just showing up just step by step. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Geez, we could just end the podcast right there. All right. Yep. Nice chatting. Nice <laughs> I have to go myself to sleep. Well, I guess a big part of that is within that time, I stepped away from Wife Every Tear, which was my whole heartbeat. I never thought I would do that. And I joined right. arms with Esther, who's now yeah. my soul sister. And so yeah. in that time, I felt like God uh, was asking me to really put my hands into what Esther and I were building, which was Fearless Co., which was, gosh, Esther, I don't even know what year that was, 2015, which the same year that Asa got his diagnosis, actually. And then, yeah, um, yeah so then, and Esther obviously has walked through most of that whole journey with me. Um, most, I mean, I met you when I was clear working with every child, probably many, like eight, eight or nine years, eight years, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, why, uh, you know, Fearless Co. was a whole journey of two years of learning how to, um, like, hold a dream, but then also let go. You know, I guess the biggest way you could explain my life is I've learned how to hold a dream, but also release it. Um, because then God yeah. asked me to lay that down, which we'll get into later. But, uh, you yeah. know, I think that's kind of the rhythm in which we're kind of designed to do is, like, hold a dream yeah. and then release it so then you can pick up another one. And it's just. Yeah, it's really, really tricky and a hard tension to figure out. Yeah. Well, now I think everyone knows why I'm having you as the first guest on the podcast, because (laughs) you don't do dreams like normal humans, and you don't even know the concept of a shallow end. There is no waiting into anything for you. You just go straight for the defense, straight for the plunge. 
And that is really, it's a gift I know that God has given you, but it's also just, you're just like, I don't care. I am going to be all in because I know I heard from God and I know I have this conviction in my heart and Mm -hmm. I'm going to put my entire being into this. You did that when you found Jesus. You were not looking for Jesus. You stumbled into a relationship with God. And and when it became this absolutely undeniable life experience for you, then that's when you're like, I'm all in, you know, and what else does that look like? What else does that mean? And you just kept dreaming with God. And I think that's something I've always admired about you is how you don't wait for anyone's permission and you break all the rules, all of the stereotypes <laughs> for being a newlywed couple, being a single girl, being you know, in a dating relationship, you broke all the rules and said, no, I'm going to be just fully present in what I know I'm meant to do and what is right in front of me. I'm going to say yes to that. You kind of, you need to be ballsy when, when God is like putting a dream in front of you that it's going to cost you everything. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And especially in a world where social media is kind of the voice that people make decisions from. Um, oh, it's funny because you're kind of looking for this like social media affirmation and that's like kind of the biggest thing that I've had to learn how to tune out and like to mm. press forward despite, you know, kind of what, right. the, what the peanut gallery has to say. Right. Well, today we're obviously talking about dreams, but the context here is, you know, Evie's traveled through lots of seasons and lots of travels in the last decade. But navigating your dreams in singleness and navigating your dreams in marriage and in family and then facing all of the challenges, all the trials, and, oh, my goodness, the amount of diagnosis that you went through. I mean, mm-hmm. you should have accepted after, like, the second one, you could have settled and accepted that as, like, your your final, you know, answer that, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. it's not kids. Um, or even in singleness, you could have, you could have settled for giving up on, you know, pursuing things with Zach or just, there's so many an outdoor different doors that you could have walked into just because it wasn't working out or things weren't panning out maybe the way that you expected them to. So yeah, I'd love, I'd love for you to share kind of the dynamics of when you were single and you had aspirations to take over the world, to do big things. You know, you're fresh at wipe every tear. You're fresh at fighting human trafficking. How Mm -hmm. was that in singleness and how has it shifted into the season that you're in now? You know, um, I got married so young, but in those kind of like four year gap where I was single and just, just me and the Lord, um, it really, We're always evolving. We're always growing. We're always learning new parts of our identity. But those four years, I felt like I lived like 20 years because I was so just zealous and like so my pursuit of the Lord was, you know, when you freshly like, you know, you're in a new relationship and all you do is you want to just spend time with that person because it's just like, oh my gosh, I can't get enough of this person. And that's how, where I was with the Lord. And so um, in that time, I was really, really wanting to press into my heart and like just being healed and like walking and healing for me. What that meant was not being manipulative and like previous relationships and previous, just all things. I, I was just, there's a lot of manipulation within my heart of like, oh, if you do this, maybe you'll get this in response. And it was just, it wasn't me living and like making my moves in my life from a like free place. It was me being like, oh, if I do this, then maybe so and so will do this. So 
with that being said, those four years were such a years of solidifying my identity. And the only way you can know yourself is getting to know, obviously, your maker. And so when you press into just like the eye contact and that full gaze and just like really introspectively examining yourself and being like, I, I do this. I don't want to know why God and I want to expose it. I want to know um, how to move forward from it and not stay in that place. And so that was such a time for me where I just wanted to really press into knowing who I was. And um, I mean, there were just so many practical boundaries, even just being in a younger age. I don't think I would necessarily counsel anyone to do this, but I was like, I'm deleting every guy's number in my phone. I just need to like focus on the Lord. Okay. I'm going to, um, you know, make my schedule where I'm like pressing in in the morning and, you know, no other season of my life could what I've been able to do that. Like this morning, I wouldn't wake up at 4.30 until 7.30 and just be on, like, I just can't do that. I got babies now. But there was this invitation in that season of singleness to really press into things that I really craved to do. And it also was such an anchor for me to be able to move forward for other dreams in my life. And so um with that said, it was just, oh, gosh, it's just, there, there's so much available when you're in your season of singleness because you essentially you have responsibilities you have jobs you have these things you have to show up to but the biggest thing you get to show up for yourself in seasons of singleness is yourself and getting to know uh, getting to know yourself and getting to know okay why did God make me this way or what about this where can I have areas of growth and so um, I think that was something really big and understanding also during those single years, pressing into friendships in a way that I never would, pressing, getting on a plane and going places I never thought I would be able to go to just because it's like, gosh, why would I not do this? You know, like this is such mm. an invitation. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, see, having like really solidifying seasons uh, or counselors in my life, like, you know, those people that I'm like, okay, I want to get to know these people. I want to, like you do this so well, Esther, but finding families that you can support and being like, I want to like watch your kids for you because right now in the season I can and I, you know, 10 years from now I might not be able to. And like really giving myself and like just uh, like kind of that uh, Isaiah, I think it's 58, where it's like exhaust yourself for the sake mm-hmm. and you know, the context mm-hmm. of scriptures, exhaust yourself for the sake of scripture and for Jesus, you know, you're going to give all yourself to as a sacrifice of surrender. But I kind of felt that same invitation of, I just want to exhaust myself for what this season is. I don't, I want to squeeze every ounce of it because I know it's not always going to be this way. Um, and solidifying that those people and those mentors in my life was really special because then later as time evolved and I stepped into new relationships and I stepped into new opportunities and new job op- opportunities and, you know, growing my family, I could go to those people and there was a history there. They knew where I came from. They knew where I was growing from. They knew kind of my weak spots, my blind spots. So they had, you know, they would, I got to make decisions. It wasn't just this, oh, this new opportunity came up. Okay, I'm going to go do it. It was this new opportunity came up. You know, and it's funny because you said I, 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 you say I can involve into things, and I do, but it takes a long time for things to marinate before I decide to actually can involve. Yeah. Um, and so, it, and that's because I'll bring things to my mentors and just say, "Hey, this opportunity came up, or God kind of brought this dream in my heart. What are your thoughts? What are your initial? You know, will you pray with me through this?" And then I'm able to can involve when I feel like I have one, obviously that conversation with the Lord, and I've kind of been praying on it for a minute and allowing things to actually you know, let peace come into the situation versus me just jumping right. out of pure zeal and excitement because that won't sustain, uh, you know, a God dream. It has to be a God dream and the God fuel to be able to keep that thing going. But I would just say those those are kind of the main things of just like a really exhausting yourself into the season of singleness and mm-hmm. allowing it to be what it is. And, you know, it's kind of like that one-way ticket I was telling you about that we got to get on to Liberia. When you're in that season of singleness, it's so funny because 
it's a one-way ticket and you don't know when you're coming getting out of it in the sense you know like you're yeah. just kind of like i'm gonna press into this so my analogy would be i got a one-way ticket to liberia i didn't know if it would be you know a month or 10 years and that's with singleness, it's like, I'm going to press into this. I'm going to squeeze everything out of it. It could be one month of singleness or it could be the rest of my life. I don't know, but I'm going to trust that God is squeezing every single ounce of myself that, yeah. you know, he's asked me to do in that exact time frame before, you know, and I'm not saying that. Yeah. Anyway, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I love that. No, it's beautiful. And I would say that even watching you, you know, we were only friends for, you were still dating back when we, when we first met, but, um, but it's still like knowing your journey before when you were single and knowing it now in your, in your married life, it, there's, there's a clear distinction. There's obviously going to be challenges and differences, but the, the posture that you still have is what I would call a total ownership of your life and a total ownership of your story. Yeah. And a huge yeah. component that I think that that's what I, a lot of single people struggle with. And that's why I even am called to this topic and, and yeah. sometimes eating a dead horse because it's like, hey, how hard is it to just own your story right now? And and like you right. squeeze everything out of it, not because it's like, oh, one day this might be gone, but realizing, oh, this is really good. This actually yes. is really good. And it's, and it's yes. not just a gift in the terminology that we're like, okay, I guess, like, I like this totally. I really <laughs> hate it. But because we're constantly comparing our singleness to what we fantasize about married life. And here's right. the thing. It's that married life is going to have similar challenges. A lot of married people. Oh, baby, way more. <laughs> way more. Different way types more challenges, challenges. But yes. There's like this weird um, comparison thing, even from my married friends that are like, oh, my gosh, like, enjoy your singleness because you're not going to get X, Y, Z oh, back. For there's sure. Also, like, which I agree with, but there's also this this lack of, I think, conversation or even recognizing there's challenges in singleness that married people cannot relate to sometimes. Oh, for you know? sure. There's for a sure. That, like, wow challenges that we have now they are good like let's embrace them let's let's celebrate them and let's take ownership of becoming and stepping into who God has called us to be rather than wishing it away and missing out and until we wake up one day when we're 35 and we're like oh yeah crap I probably should get my life together yeah totally totally that's so true and also even like dreams in your heart um, as you're single, being able to press into those dreams and then be open with the people around you. Because like for Zach and I, when we did start to kind of navigate that conversation of like, should we date? Like, what is this? I just like, and we took kind of a six month buffer period to kind of press into whether or not we felt like it was the right thing to do. But it's amazing because he knew because I was chasing after these dreams before I met him, he knew as he was considering, as we both were considering dating each other, is are, are the, is this going to align? Like, he knows I'm a crazy lady. I'm just, I'm all in. He knows, like, if you get on this trip, we're going, baby. We're not stopping for a water break. We're yeah. just going for it. So it's amazing because when you're really being able to press into your dreams single, and if you meet someone, not saying it, but, like, if that does, you know, come down the road in any way, um, or just friendships, people are going to know who you are, and they're going to know, oh, okay, this is the kind of girl she is, and, you know, she's going to go for it or whatever. So then later it allowed both of us to, and I knew how, I knew how he was. So then as we started to date, it was like, okay, right. do our dreams align, which is a whole yep. other podcast topic. But 
Anyway, I love that. Um, you're, I remember listening because I'm a huge fan of your yours and Zach's podcast, um, which is called it's called The Table. The, what is it called again? I'm from Raising Worth. Raise all oh, the the cover is the table raising work. Yes, okay. exactly. <laughs> raising work. Obviously, a huge fan. I can't even remember the name of it, but I have. I swear, <laughs> I listen to every episode. I've listened to every episode, and on the last episode, it was it was um like going over the last ten years of your life because you just what my twenties taught me. Right. Yes. Yep. Yep. What your twenties taught you, and you said in that podcast that you wish that you could tell yourself. Um, at a younger age when you met Zach that marriage was a choice and that yes. rather than kind of like having this this big over spiritual mindset of oh God put us together and we are yes. he's the one for me and like it's just gonna be perfect and we're gonna you know because we're we're meant to be together we have the same calling so it's yes. gonna be great and thing and like this holy anointing on our marriage but realizing yeah, no. that each other <laughs> and that that having that perspective maybe would have created more of a grace for each other in the oh for years. sure you know another yeah. analogy I kind of think of when I think of how I thought of singleness and marriage uh you know when I was much much younger 20 or whatever um I kind of imagined it in Toy Story when all of those little aliens are inside the thing and that he you know you do that claw to like pick something out this is obviously oh, yeah. so far from the truth, but I saw this as like the singleness is that little arcade game. And then when, when you're ready, God will bring the claw down, grab you, and then release you into the bottom of this vending machine. And it's like, ta-da! And I'm like so embarrassed that that is the way that I saw like singleness <laughs> as a prison. <laughs> or just like, I mean, I knew I, I'm, I'm being dramatic for the sake of trying to make a point, as obviously, yeah. but that's kind of sometimes well, we we kind of place that on singleness. It's kind of like, oh, when I'm ready, God is just going to bring this claw and he's going to pick me up and he's going to place me yeah. exactly where I need to be to meet the exact right person and then it's going to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, like it's this, yeah, it's this adventure. It's this like, oh, anyway. Oh, yeah. It's way more like a roller coaster ride than it is a claw experience. <laughs> and you can keep all your quarters. And get a fast yeah. and I always waste all my quarters on that dang game, and I never get a stuffed animal, so or a bouncy ball. Oh my gosh, for sure. But that's so beautiful. And so, okay, I want to recap because we talked a little bit about starting Fearless Code during that decade of your life, and when you're kind of going through all these wild, wild invitations from God for sure, but saying yes to these dreams. And so during that time that you were working for Wipe Every Tear, we kind of came together and knew that we had some a mission to accomplish. And we started dreaming together, and we started this organization called Fearless Co. Which is where so we, dangerous. We get Esther and I at the same table. Oh, it's so dangerous because we literally <laughs> take the whole world. And we have a 10-year year plan. Oh, yeah, 10-year. We were like, this has to be done by next week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it was enough work for 10 years. And so oh, for sure. Thing. And we, like, we hashed out our business plan. We have, like, a spread, every spreadsheet oh, for everything to the side. It's so great, though. I love it. And it is, it truly is, you know, you are one of those rare people in my life where we just pull that out of each other. And, totally. and it's so great. It's such a gift. And, um, but yeah. during that time, you know, we were, we were pouring our hearts into this organization. And for those of you that are listening that may not know what Fearless Co. was, 
we created resources for people who were battling fear and anxiety, and uh, we just created a healthy space for them to confront these fears and to dream again. And we created an online e-course. Uh, we did events in Boise. Uh, she would go we speak at some conferences. We wrote, wrote books together. It was awesome, and it was a, a really big uh, social media and podcast platform. So. It was it was awesome. It was so awesome, and we saw ourselves doing it for like our the end of days, you know. But there was, I will say, and I write about it in the book, uh, in my new book. And Eb, I want you to share about that time where mm-hmm. I had come back to Fearless Co because I had stepped away for a time to finish yes. my degree, and she was running it like a mad woman. She had this whole like absolute. It was just incredible. And then I stepped back in to go full time, and then she called me and dropped a bomb on me. And I want oh, you to share so that. Oh, so nervous. It was so heartbreaking, but it actually brought both of us so much freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So essentially, I just started feeling this unsettling in my spirit to like give Fearless Co up, and I just felt this invitation to really press into my family. And um, I felt like I was supposed to essentially like a year long sabbatical, but more than that, I just really needed to serve my family. I could see there were these little tiny like bumps in the road that I had been ignoring for a long time that was like, okay, this something's got to change. And essentially, I felt like God was asking me to sacrifice everything that I had built up until that point. And, you know, it's kind of funny when you try and negotiate with the Lord. It's, like, hilarious because you're sitting there, like, presenting a case as if he is a totally an all-knowing God. And you're like, but God, girls are experiencing freedom. And he's, like, at the sacrifice of your family. You know, I'm like, but God, these girls are going to dream. He's like, yeah, but my dream for you as a whole and, you know, present family. I'm like, but God, you know, so – Anyway, um, essentially, I come to Esther, and I remember feeling like I was breaking up with Esther. Obviously, I wasn't, but, you know, we have been building this thing our whole life. And, you know, when you, oh, when you have to make a call and break up with someone, I don't know if there's anything worse on planet Earth, especially when it's someone so close to your heart that you just don't want to let down. And um, so, essentially, that was uh, the conversation we had to go, we had to have, and I just said, I'm going to need to step away, and I will never forget um, just the grace that Esther was so tender. She was clearly disappointed, but she didn't let her disappointment outweigh just listening to me and hearing my heart. And she's like, obviously this makes me sad, but listen, I trust like that you hear from the Lord. And uh, it was, just brought us closer it, within our friendship. Yeah. And, but it was just also just um, a healing moment for me in general within ministry of just being able to uh, transition and be honest and mm-hmm. not have someone kind of like, you know, take it personally. Like that's my favorite thing about you, Esther, is you do not take things personally. It is such a gift, truly unoffendable, undefendable. So, um, anyway, that was really, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. That was hard. But what, what it was beyond being hard was it was, it was freedom for the both of us to, walk out what God had truly called us to and trust him and release the organization to him for both of us. And um, yeah. that's what I think what it opened my eyes up to was watching you let go of something that I knew you loved so that you could love something that you already had with everything that you had. And mm-hmm. that translates 
into anything in life. That translates beyond you were a mother. You had these beautiful adopted children. You had a dream in your heart to be pregnant. You were, you and Zach were trailblazing other dreams that you had too, because, you know, Mm -hmm. you both are other things. And I know Mm -hmm. that it was like one of those things where, Hey, I really love this. And I, and I think this is, this has served me so well. And it's been such an honor to serve this. But if I don't let this go, I won't be able to step into the, the other things and yeah. the dreams that are in my heart that are so much greater than what this has been. Mm-hmm. Oh, and for I just, sure. I'm, and I think it kind of goes to that stereotypical, like, you have to say no to a good thing to say yes to the God thing. But it's yeah. so hard because the good thing, we try and put the stamp of God on it because it's so good. Like, there are parts yeah. of a story that are going to, you know, bring emotions up, and it's just going to kind of bring this, un- like, unsettling or even a longing for something else. Like, I yeah. long to not smell like vomit, or I long mm-hmm. to, like, just get more than three hours of sleep at night, you know, or in singleness. I long for companion. I long to laugh with someone. I long to, mm-hmm. you know, dream alongside someone. And it's like, all of those things are so, uh, they're, they're just natural. And every single season, I think God wants us to have that beautiful longing for something so then we can believe yeah. for things so we can, you know, like trust him to move in other areas of our life. However, that doesn't mean that, that you don't like just fully absorb that season for what it is. You know, I don't, it's kind of a tricky thing to put into words, but. I think we're designed no, to long, and I also think we're designed to be incredibly present in the season we're in, and I yeah. think those two could exist together. Absolutely. I couldn't agree any more than that because I think that there's been a really, and it breaks my heart to see the, the conversations, especially within Christendom, the diminishing of the longing and the diminishing of, like, just we, we teach people to ignore their humanity and we teach singles to feel like right. they are they're trying to to get something from God or to be something enough or to wait on him for this ambiguous amount of time where he's going to you know spontaneously drop a man or a woman at your front door and thinking that he doesn't care about the process and the journey and oh, how totally. he, and the fact that he designed us to feel that way, God gave us that long. If we didn't have that longing, we wouldn't crave relationship. We wouldn't need relationship. Yeah. But clearly, God built us for relationship, so we need that longing. We need the lonely days so that it pushes us into relationship. And the problem that we fall into is that we're not always choosing healthy connections. We're choosing unhealthy connections, or we're not oh, connecting sure. with ourselves. So I think if we can yes. get back to this place of, okay, saying, mm-hmm. God, I'm going to reattach back to myself because we've de- detached so much of our emotions because we've been told, oh, you're focusing too much on wanting to be in a relationship. You're not praying enough or you're not writing enough letters to your future <laughs> right. spouse or you yeah. know, you're not <laughs> enough for your future family, your future kids. You need to be starting a prayer journal. You need to, you know, yes. yes. prayer walk um, the house that you want to have one day. It's like so many, <laughs> many to do lists that just get weirder For and weirder. And sure. No, and, and that's like religion. Do, yeah. do, do. Don't yeah. believe, 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 or live, live, live. It kind of goes, um, you know, like walking through infertility for six years. There is so much conversation in the infertility world of like, um, 
almost seeing infertility, one, as a punishment, but also, two, when people pray, I will hear so often girls praying, like, please, God, give me a baby, give me a baby, give me a baby. And there's nothing wrong with that prayer. It's just yeah. in my season of infertility, what I learned was when my comp- when my dialogue with Jesus changed from, God, will you please give me a baby? And I, I continued to, like, yeah, I've always prayed, Lord, like, I, I want to have a family, whatever that looks like. But when my dialogue changed with the Lord of God, I want to feel your presence. I want to feel your closeness more than any yeah. dream I have, more than any, uh, you know, dream of being pregnant or dream of having a family through adoption or all, all of these things. I have all these dreams, but my biggest dream in the season is I feel the closeness of you, that my eyes would be fixed on you, that I would, that I would see, you know, like, and when my, that dialogue changed with the Lord, I so valued his closeness over everything else. That it was not this pregnancy being the promise that, you know, um, and me kind of sh- like not, you know, because sometimes I think we go into this prayer with the Lord. We were, you know, like say knock and you're like, I'm knocking. However, the attitude and yeah. what you're knocking is just demanding like, God, you said you'd give me a husband or you said you'd give me a baby. You told me. And it's like, I don't know. For me, I never heard the Lord tell me, Elizabeth, I will give you a pregnancy. I never heard that. And so when my dialogue with the Lord changed from this uh, kind of, uh, entitled knocking of like, Lord, I'm, I'm believing for this thing to God. I'm believing that your presence is the closest thing I'll ever know in this season. I'm believing your, your presence is the promise. And if that looks like uh, a baby in this season, or if it doesn't, God, would your closeness be the number one priority that I'm focused on? Like, and I know it's easier said than done to pray that prayer. I understand that sounds like, Oh yeah, but you don't understand. I've been through ABC or I've been, you know, but it is amazing. When we're so fixed on the precious, like, just a, like, presence, really, and the yeah. closeness that he provides, that only he'll provide, and you're not this entitled, like, oh, I'm, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's really changed my life understanding that the greatest promise over our life is his presence and his closeness yeah. and the power of his blood and the cross, not, you know, these you know, experiences in our life that are powerful, life-altering things like marriage, relationships, babies, families, like that is huge stuff, but it doesn't outweigh the closeness of Jesus in our lives. And it's like, it'll just wreck you, you know? Yeah. And those are byproducts of his closeness. And yeah. I want to acknowledge, you know, everyone listening to this podcast might not be of the same faith background that me and Evie are sharing. I hope you can hear in our voice and in her passion and sharing her story is a true life that has experienced loss, pain, and come out on the other side of searching for who she truly is and really refocusing and recalibrating her values in life. And and for her and for us, it, it, it stems from really reaching out to our creator and and to a God that we believe has opened up miracles and done the impossible in our lives. But it came from her letting go of even trying to strive to have faith, which I think sometimes Christians get a bad, you know, we have this reputation of kind of forcefully imposing our agenda on people because we're like, oh, you just need to believe. You just need to believe so that God can do this. Yeah. But hey, you know, God is just like, it's just such a normal thing in our minds, I guess. You know, we, we have more of like this, man, love is like you talked about early, earlier. It's an infatuation. 
that it's a holy infatuation with Jesus that we've felt that we just are like, we cannot get enough of his goodness. And that's an intimacy that no relationship, no um, baby, no thing that you ask for, no thing that you desire in this life could ever fill that space in our hearts. Yeah. Okay. That's so good. final question, final question, because I know you and I could talk for 1,000 hours, but Truly. what? What is one reality check that you would give singles um, or anyone looking to the future right now with a dream in their heart? What is one reality check? Kind of like what we talked about earlier. You know, you wish you could tell your younger self, hey, marriage is not the fantasy. You know, have mm-hmm. what reality check maybe give some singles right now um, and how they can guard themselves from not glorifying the future or glorifying their dreams, um, but trusting the process and staying present. Um, you know, so all of my best friends, my two closest, closest friends, um, Allie and Liberty are both single. And, um, actually, yeah, it's funny because it's, I can't wait until all of my, uh, single friends do have kids eventually someday. So they realize, wow, Evie and Zach, you guys really did a lot when you have four <laughs> tiny micro humans at your house because they're all are like, why did you do this? I'm like, do you remember I'm not? single I can't get on a plane to Africa on Friday but um my reality check would be and this is what I I I preface that story with them too because this is what I'm saying to them all the time and it's chased after these wild dreams that you have in your heart and when you feel like you know there's someone that you are potentially interested in like you're going to look to your right or your left and you're going to see someone running at that same pace and that's going to be kind of an indicator of like, okay, do I want to explore this in the sense of if those opportunities come up, but if they don't, you're running towards your dreams. And that's what like, that really is kind of the nucleus in which like the joy is found in your life because it's like, you're going to come alive when you're doing these things. And so, um, and the other thing I'm doing to reality check, don't, if dating does come down the road, um, I just feel like people overthink dating. I for sure did when I was younger. And it's really neat to watch my older friends in their 30s date because I'm like, wow, they go about this with such maturity. And, like, they don't overthink it. Like, they're going on dates, these casual dates. And it's, like, okay that they know that they don't know, like, where this relationship is headed. They're, like, just getting to know that person. And I think Mm -hmm. it's so freeing. Because it allows the less, there's just so much less pressure and it's like, oh, like I'm just, you know, going to go to dinner with this person and, uh, regardless, maybe a friendship, whatever, but it's so much more calm and chill. And I'm like, gosh, yeah. this is so cool. Like, and so I just feel like when you kind of take your season seriously, however, you don't take dating as serious in the sense of like, it's not just like, you know, oh, am I going to marry this person? I need to know by like 8 a.m then I feel like it's just so much more enjoyable, you know? Um, like watching yeah. you date too after, it's just so neat because it's like, I don't know, you don't have to have it all figured out. And I think that that takes off yeah. a lot of pressure because then you're able to really not glorify, you know, um, this longing in your heart, but then also you're trusting the process and you're present because you're really running after the things in your, that are in that season. And you're staying in that lane yeah. of like, this is something I feel, I feel I'm supposed to do right now and so I'm going to run after it. You know, and that's yeah. really, it's such a gratifying experience when you feel like you're exactly where you're supposed to be and you're yeah. just doing exactly what you're supposed to do. You know, like, I don't know if there's a better feeling than that. Yes, I agree. And that is 
that's the subtitle of my book, Let Go of Finding the One and Love the Life in Front of You. <laughs> yes, it's so true. And you could honestly interchange like the one with let go of that dream and find the life in front of you. Like let go of that. Yes. Like because it just applies to so many things in our yes. life. Like live the life in front of you. Like yes. that is what it's about. Love all of it. So good, Esther. Gosh, okay. I can't wait for your future uh, children. Um, First of all, let's start there. I know you're going to have more because you and Zach are amazing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Seven generations. We'll see. (laughs) Oh, I got a prophetic seven number. Okay, well, when Zach hears this, he's going to be like, I'm just mad at Jesus' name. Well, you know what? I just am always cheering you on in every single aspect of your life. I believe in you. And I know um, I I love the way you press into what God has for you. And I know so many people are going to be just liberated by the content of this book. And I am so amazed by the way that you say you're going to do something and then you do it. I think a lot of people will be able to take notes from your life. And I hope that it releases so many dreams to just... uh, be obviously birthed and other people as they're reading this. So thank you for taking the time to pen all of these words. Oh, thank you so much, Evie. I freaking love you so much. Thank you for taking time to share your story today. I know it's going to impact so many people. And guys, just brace yourself because this mama, she she might be covered in baby vomit right now, but you know what? She is living her story and it's epic. You only heard like one little third of it today, but it will be both upon first that we will be reading. I will probably be her editor. Oh yeah, come on. We have so many more dreams that we're going to keep pursuing with our lives, but um, yeah. yeah, thank you so much, Evie. Freaking, I need to come out to Boise and come visit you guys. 100%. I love you and I'm here for you always.